I don't know about you guys, I like having kids around. Now, that may be because I'm a grandpa and got about, I don't even know how many now, 16 of my own grandkids. So, yeah, I like grandkids. I like kids. So there. (laughs) This morning is, as you've kind of been led with a few hints here and there, Palm Sunday, right? Not only that, but I bet you even have that, if you use a wall calendar anymore, on today, if you would look, you go, Palm Sunday. Okay, it's, it's established today is Palm Sunday. But what's so special about Palm Sunday? It's the beginning of what the Christian church has traditionally called Holy Week, a week set aside as we think of Jesus coming into Jerusalem and the crucifixion. By the way, it's not uncommon in those days for any king or conqueror as they were coming into their home base city for the crowds to have palm branches and wave them in front of them and lay them down for them to ride in on. So that wasn't a new thing because we tend to, as we look back, go, oh, well, the only time they ever did that was for Jesus. No, that was a common thing. But what was it a common thing for? It was a common thing for kings and conquerors. So keep that in your mind. By the way, today is going to be a mishmash of things about the triumphal entry. Odds and ends that we may or may not think about. But as we look at the beginning of Holy Week, we think of the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. Then on Monday, we see the cleaning out of the temple by Jesus of the money changers. That's Monday. Tuesday, Jesus and his disciples go forth to the Mount of Olives, as was mentioned a little earlier, and he gives what the theologians call the Olivet Discourse, in which he provides a lot of prophecy about what's going to be happening to the nation of Israel. Tuesday, Wednesday, cleaning out the temple, dealing with the money changers and the like, giving this long discourse of which we have pieces and parts of it. Wednesday's rest day. Thursday is what we call How many of you know this term, Monday, Thursday? How many of you as kids thought, how can it be Monday and Thursday at the same time? (laughs) Right? No, Monday, Thursday. It comes from the Latin term to mean mandate in English. You say, okay, so it's Mandate Thursday. What's the new mandate? Well, one of the mandates that Jesus gave to his disciples at the Last Supper was a new command, a new mandate, I give to you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. 
Don't trivialize that. That is heavy stuff for the church. And then, of course, following the supper, there's time spent in the Garden of Gethsemane, his arrest, his trial, his crucifixion on Good Friday, called good. Why? Because of his sacrifice for our sins that allows us to stand blameless before God because of the gift of God, that sacrifice for us. In Ephesians 2.8 it says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. Not by works, so that no one can boast. Then the cool thing is what we celebrate next Sunday, Easter Sunday. A remembrance of joy and thanksgiving for his conquering of death, his resurrection that gives us hope and knowledge that we too can conquer death through him so that we can be with him in eternity. So that's Holy Week. Back to Palm Sunday. There are foreshadowings of the triumphal entry. What's a foreshadowing? Webster, one of my go-to sources, says it's an indication of what is to come. Okay? Another source says it's a representation of an image. Another one says it's a literary device used by an author to give hints of what's going to come later on in the story. It is an act of providing vague advanced notions or indications, a representation beforehand. That's a foreshadowing. When we look at the scriptures, a foreshadowing can be a prophesying hint, a foretelling of what is to come. Now, we don't often think of the triumphal entry as being foretold in the Old Testament, what those of Jesus' day would simply call the Scriptures. But we do get some foreshadowing, some hints of what might be to come as we look into those events. The first one, and probably the most in-your-face one, is Abraham and his son, not Ishmael, but Isaac. Thank you. By the way, some of you are newer and don't know. I do expect responses from y'all. <laughs> it's okay. And even if you shout it out, I know the kids aren't here. I can trust them. But y'all need to speak up too, okay? So we have Abraham, which we think of a father sacrificing his son. Oh, who else did that? Yes, it's a foreshadowing, isn't it? After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, he said, here I am. He said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah. And offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. 
And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. And on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar, then said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. And you notice something funny there? I and the boy are coming back. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sacrifice him. I and the boy are coming back to you. Interesting. Took the uh, see. I laid it. He laid the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac his son. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they both went off together. And Isaac said to his father Abraham, "My father," and he said, "Here I am, my son. Behold the fire and the wood, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? Here's the foreshadowing." And Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb. And I don't know how much Abraham realized how prophesying an effect that was, but here he talks about the lamb. God will provide. And from there we hear what we sing about often, Jehovah Jireh. God will provide a foreshadowing. Then we get one that's not really obvious. It's Jacob when he's blessing his sons at the end of his life. And he gets to Judah. And he said, you're a lion's cub, Judah. You return from the prey, my son, like a lion he crouches down, like a lioness who dares rouse him. Anybody ever hear of the lion of Judah? Mm Mm-hmm. The scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the rider's staff from between his feet, until to whom it belongs shall come, and the obedience of the nation shall be his. He will tether his donkey to a vine, his colt to the choicest branch. He will wash his garments in wine, a symbol for blood, the robes in the blood of grapes. His eyes will be darker than wine, his teeth whiter than milk. That's kind of an odd reference. No, teeth whiter than milk symbolizes for those in those days purity. So we talk about one, and and that prophecy goes beyond where we are now. That line of Judah is going to reign over everything, and it's going to be obvious to everybody, and they will all bow down to that king. He will have his scepter of rule. That's who Jesus is. One more foreshadowing. Anybody ever think of Solomon as being a foreshadowing? David's old, as we read in 1 Kings, and he's not doing real well. Adonijah, one of his sons, decides, I'm going to be king. He gets Joab, the current military commander. He gets the priest, and they go off, and Adonijah says, Y'all can put a crown on my head. Somebody gets wind of what's going on. Lady by the name of Bathsheba. We tend to think of her as Bathsheba. Whose mom is she? Solomon's. Who's been the promised one by God to David that's going to be reigning in his, as his successor in the kingdom? Solomon. Solomon's the guy. Who's trying to take over? Adonijah. 
Bathsheba comes in to David and says, did you know about this? Of course he didn't. Otherwise, something would have happened. And when she tells him what's going on with Adonijah, he calls in three guys. Nathan, Zadok, and Benaiah. Nathan's a godly prophet. Zadok is a godly priest. And Benaiah is one of his godly advisors. So, David gives Air Force One to Solomon. Well, it was a mule, but it was his mule. It was the royal mule. Okay, so he gives it to Solomon. Guess what path Solomon enters the city of Jerusalem in? It's going to come up again when Jesus comes through. And we see the king riding, not a donkey, but but a mule, but we see that trail being set as the people celebrate with joy the new, the right, the correct king of Israel. It shows that those who are with Adonijah are fakes. They're not the real rulers. Yeah, when Jesus comes through in the triumphal entry, he is saying, I'm the king. I'm the real king. The others who think they're in charge, they're fakes. They might do stuff for a while, but there is an ultimate. There is that pinnacle. So we see a foreshadowing. But of course, what does Jesus say? Greater than Solomon is here. Because we see that Solomon failed miserably. He starts out very well, but then he starts trusting in idols, and he has idols put up all over the place. Jesus never left the road and ended up at his death committing his spirit to the Father, putting it in the Father's hands. Solomon sinfully takes other women, foreign women, which was commanded against, if we start looking into our Old Testament law, brings them into the court. He gets polluted by those wives. And then there's Jesus who cleansed and sanctified his bride by the death on the cross, his bride, the church, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. Yes, we are the church, and we are made holy without blemish by his death on the cross. Solomon built a temple, and that's where everybody's supposed to worship, but Jesus brings a new temple in. What does he say to the woman at the well? Pretty soon... The old temple's down, and you're going to be worshiping in spirit and in truth. That's going to be the new temple. Building doesn't mean a thing. It's nice when it's raining. We get together, but we're the church, not the building. That's the way of it. Solomon died. Of course, David the king dies. All the kings thereafter. But Jesus died and rose, conquering death. So this Palm Sunday, we celebrate the second king to ride into Jerusalem on that specific route. 
He enters to the praise of children and adults. He unmasks all the pretenders. But let's remember that he is the king, the only king, the only one worthy of our following. Okay, that's some of the foreshadowing stuff. Let's look at something else about this triumphal entry. There's a theme that runs through the Gospels that when Jesus does something, he says, don't tell anyone. Mount Transfiguration. Remember, he goes up with three of the disciples and he sees Elijah and Moses and they're talking together. And as they're going down the mountain, what does he say? Don't tell anyone what you've seen until after I die. Well, he heals a deaf man. What does he tell the deaf guy? Tell no one. Of course, the more he says that, the more they proclaim it. When he asks the disciples, who do they say that I am? You don't think he knows? Of course he knows. He's doing it for their reasoning and thinking. Peter says, you're the Christ, the anointed one. What does Jesus say? Don't tell anybody. We get to Jairus. Remember Jairus who had the daughter who was sick? Jairus says, come, please touch her. I I know you can heal her. And they get to the house. She's dead. Jesus says, it's okay. She's only sleeping. And they laugh at him. Jesus says, everybody out. Goes in, little girl. Get up. Mom, give her something to eat. And what does he say then to them? Don't tell anyone. It's like, are you kidding? (laughs) But, but. So we have this theme throughout the, the Gospels. It says, he does something that everybody wants to shout about, but he says, don't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody. And then something changes, right? Because it's a little obvious he's done with the secrecy thing when he's riding a donkey and all these people are gathered together. Hosanna, Hosanna, praise to the one on high. The son of David, Hosanna. I think it's okay to tell people now. Don't you think? The time had come. I'm not real sure all the whys and the wherefores. Somebody might have it all figured out. But what I do know is this, that at the time of the triumphal entry, it was the right time for him to be declared that he is the King of kings and Lord of lords. By the way, what does Hosanna mean? We sing it, Hosanna, Hosanna, right? We sing Hosanna, but what does it mean? Well, we're in for a little bit of disappointment if we want it to mean just one thing. Because it means, please save us as well as praise to you, God. 
Psalm 118, you'll have it on one hand, please save us, and within the next verse, things get translated to, thank you, Lord. Hosanna, please save us. Is not Hosanna a word that we can use today? We, we, we are often in one of two situations, are we not? Anybody not prayed for something for God to save them out of a situation? We all get into situations, Lord, help me, please save me out of this, please save me. And when it happens, what ought we to be saying again? Hosanna, thank you, Lord. That gratefulness for what he's done, for who he is, that alone is praiseworthy. So Hosanna is used by those folks on Palm Sunday. Of course, most of them at that point, they were thinking, get the Romans out of here. Thank you for saving us as a nation. We've seen you do wonderful things. We, knew you got, we know you have powers. It's been made pretty evident. Yeah, they told somebody, even though you told them not to. We know that you're the one who has the power, and then he doesn't even do anything for himself and ends up on the cross. Oh, he had the power. He just chose not to use it. Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Yeah. Praise Lord, please save us. And they're thinking, save us from the Romans. We have a better understanding now. Why? Because we know that the saving is not a physical one from our rulers, but one from our own spiritual darkness. And when he does that and he saves us, do we not need to say Hosanna again? Because we are grateful to the one who has the power to save. Hosanna. The kids had us run through a little bit of a thing with these palm branches, didn't they? You ever feel uncomfortable doing weird things in church? We don't want to look stupid, do we? No, it, it, I, I don't like feeling uncomfortable, but sometimes the crazy guy up front asks us to, and so we comply begrudgingly. The kids got us going a little bit. You guys, Hosanna. I want to hear it really well. One, two, Hosanna. Y'all done good. Y'all, not Hosanna. Y'all are going to do glory to the son of David, the king on high. Now that's a long one. They got an easy one. Glory to the son of David, the king on high. Glory to the Son of David, the King on high. Hosanna. Glory to... 
Come on now. Keep going. Glory to the Son of David. Hosanna. I want to hear it. I want to hear it. And you know what? It wasn't that quiet there. Those people thought that the king was coming to save them from their evil empire, the Romans. Today we say Hosanna because of what he's done for us in praise. Oh, yeah. Hosanna. Lord, save me. Lord, thank you. Lord, save me. Isn't that where we are all the time? Lord, save me. Lord, thank you. Lord, save me. Thank you. Glory to the one, the one deserving of our praise. That's who we're talking about. It is his triumphal entry into Jerusalem that we celebrate as we think of this holy week. Stand, sing with me. Stand, it's okay. I know these palm branches kind of got you down, but Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest, Lord we lift up your name with hearts full of praise. Be exalted, O Lord my God. Hosanna in the highest. Glory, glory, glory to the King of kings. Glory, glory, glory to the King of kings. Lord, we lift up your name with hearts full of praise. Be exalted, O Lord my God. Hosanna in the highest. Our Father, we thank you for who you are. Father, we thank you for saving us. Father, we thank you for the knowing at this point that our Lord has conquered death, that he is the one worthy of worship. And so we say now, Hosanna, amen. Amen. You are dismissed.